Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You're listening to the Eagles Pod with Jimmy Kemsky and Tommy Lawler right here on LibertyBroadcast.co. Welcome to Eagles Pod. This is Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. With me, as always, is the ravishing Tommy Lawler from EaglesBlitz.com. How you doing, Tommy? I'm blushing now. I wow, I don't know how to respond to that comment. <laughs> well, Cle- I mean, clearly you got too much sun when we were in Alabama. <laughs> that's right. Tommy and I went to the senior bowl last week from uh what did you get in? Did you get in Monday night? Monday afternoon. Oh, Monday afternoon. Okay. I got in bright and early Monday. They they actually set it back a day, which threw me off a little bit, but we were there Monday through until Thursday afternoon. Always a good time down in Mobile, a lot of work. Um, if you call watching a football practice from the bleachers work, uh, but there's a lot of writing and blah, 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 blah. But it was, it was all good. Got to see some, some prospects down there that may or may not make sense for the Eagles. We'll get to that in a little bit uh, later in the show. We'll also get to um, you know, Nick Foles trade talk and some of the uh, rumors and speculation or whatever you want to call it there with Nick Foles being linked to the Rams uh, Titans, I think, were another one, and the Texans, if I recall correctly. But we'll just talk in, in, in general terms about uh, you know the prospect of, of the Eagles trading Nick Foles. But first, let's get to the most recent news, which was the Eagles hiring of uh, – what is his official title? Vice President of um, – Vice vice President of, of player, Personnel? Player Personnel. Player, player Personnel, I believe is how they phrased it, yeah. So his name is Ed Manowitz. Ed Manowitz. And he – he was already with the Eagles for a couple of years before he was with the Eagles. He was sort of the, um, lack of a better way of putting it, uh, sort of the right-hand man to Nick Saban. He kind of ran the um, uh, the the recruiting the, department. He was the director of football operations at Alabama, which is the key thing for that is be running recruiting. But, you know, you got your hand in a few other activities as well. And obviously Alabama being an extremely successful franchise, he, you know, 
got a lot of the players in place that um, you know wound up you have know, Alabama team that, that was the national championship game. And um, you know he's only 30 years old. The Eagles had either interviewed or tried to interview a number of other candidates from from around the league. Um, do you think that they settled on Manowitz, Tommy, or do you think this is a guy that was really um, was really going to get serious consideration all along? Well, I think it's a combination of the two. I think that they did have to settle on him in a sense because. I got the feeling there was a couple of guys on other teams that the Eagles had real interest in, uh, specifically Brian Gain with Houston. It sounds like that's a, a person that Chip Kelly had significant interest in, uh, partially because that guy had worked with Bill O'Brien, and I think Bill O'Brien thought too highly of him. And, of course, uh, Chip Kelly and Bill O'Brien are, are very close friends. Uh, but, unfortunately, the Houston Texans had already lost another member of their front office who became the general manager of the New York Jets. And so I think the Texans felt like they couldn't afford to lose two members of their front office. So I think they gave a promotion and a raise and some more power to Brian Gain to keep him in Houston. And uh, that sort of took him out of the picture for the Eagles. Uh, The Eagles did talk to Scott Fitterer from Seattle. He did not end up, uh, uh, you know, nothing happened there. We don't know if that was on his choice or theirs. Uh, The interview didn't go. We don't, you know, we don't know what happened there. And there was a couple of other uh, uh, people that they wanted to talk to, and things didn't work out because the play, the uh, person either got a promotion, uh, the interview request was denied, and then there was a few guys who just said, we don't want to take this job because it is an awkward job when you come here. You're not going to get the general manager position. You're going to become the director of player personnel, or in this case they made him the vice president of player personnel. You're going to have some power, but you're not going to have total control and to some, so the, the really qualified guys, somebody like a Chris Ballard from Kansas City, the next step up for Chris Ballard is to be a general manager. This would have been a lateral move, and there's no benefit in him making a lateral move. You know, somebody may have dreamed about an Eric DaCosta coming over from the Ravens. Again, he's ready to be a general manager and do his own thing. Coming to the Eagles would have been a lateral move. There's, it wouldn't have made any sense. Chip Kelly needs his guy, his right-hand man, and the situation I've compared it to is back when Andy Reid hired Tom Heckert in 2001 to run the uh, help him run the personnel side of things. And Heckert at the time was 33 years old, going on 34. Well, here you've got uh, Kelly hiring Manowitz, and Manowitz is going to turn 31. And so, yeah, he's a young guy, but he does have a little bit of experience, and he's at that age where he's still hungry and aggressive and has a creative, open mind. But he's got enough experience where this is not like some insane move by Chip Kelly. Did you have a personal favorite candidate that you that you would have liked to have seen Eagles hire? The two guys that I liked the most were Brian Gain and Scott Fitterer. Uh, Gain, I think, I liked his uh, the variety of experience he had. He had worked for Bill Parcells. He had worked with the Houston Texans. He had worked in the pro side of things, the college side of things. He was an, he had enough experience that I, I can't remember his exact age if he's upper thirties, early forties, but he had enough experience that he knew what he was doing. But he also wasn't a guy who was set in his ways as a fifty-five year old general manager type who was going to be uh, fighting Chip Kelly and some of his non-traditional ideas. And so I thought you needed to get somebody who's a little bit on the young side. And uh, so Brian Gain really was a person I like quite a bit, and I also <laughs> thought Federer. Uh, coming here from Seattle would be interesting because Seattle's had such good luck with 
undrafted players and late round guys and turning them into not just good players, but I mean, Richard Sherman was a fifth round player. Uh, Byron Maxwell, you know, is a guy that was uh, undrafted or six round. Yeah, I think it was a six. And I mean, these, these, you know, hey, listen, they, they found two corners in the fifth or later, fifth round or later. Eagles haven't found two corners that good going back two decades. Cam Chancellor was was Cam Chancellor was a five two, wasn't he? Exactly, another late round guy. And so, it's not just luck with the Seahawks. They have sort of a system that they there's a, a, a an evaluation method called Spark S P A R Q, which measures athletes, um, football players' athleticism and explosiveness, and they sort of have sort of targets that they want and they know who to go for and take a chance on the late rounds based on the way they value athleticism over experience, skill, or size. And that works for them. And I hope he can bring some of that to the Eagles. But again, uh, we didn't get one of those guys. We did get Manowitz. And I do think it is important to note that Manowitz is a guy who's been around really smart football people. He was with the Dolphins as an assistant for one year and worked under Bill Parcells. He was with as as a uh, as a coach, and he had played there as well for a little bit. So he worked under George O'Leary, who's a very smart football coach. He spent time working with Nick Saban, who's one of the great coaches in the history of college football. And obviously, he also worked under Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, and Howie Roseman, three guys that are successful in their own right. So you know, he's been around smart football minds. It's not like this guy is coming with no nothing in the tank. I mean, he he. I think he's going to know what he's doing in terms of he can identify talent as some good ideas, but I, you know, he just doesn't have a lot of experience. And part of experience is you learn through success and failure. And he has yet to do that uh, as much as you'd like. Right. And and you mentioned player evaluation. He probably won't be involved in anything salary cap or money management uh, related. That'll those responsibilities will go to Jake Rosenberg and, and Howie Roseman will, will have a piece of that as well. And I guess you know, that's that's something that still remains a little bit unclear, how the dynamic will work between Manowitz and, and Kelly and, and Howie Roseman. But one thing that is kind of worth noting is, you know, Manowitz being promoted from within, he already sort of has uh, a full awareness of how everyone had previously worked together, whereas an outside candidate, you know, would would not have and, you know, would kind of have to learn all that. Well, yeah, and, you know, that's a great point. And the other key thing in this is, he come, he's, he's an insider, so he knows what went down between uh, Roseman, Kelly, Gamble, all those guys. Yeah, he, he knows what to say and what not to say so as to not offend anybody and let it be known <laughs> that, 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 that he's not playing games. You know, right. when you get when you get some of these uh, these guys who have big egos, if you say or do the wrong thing, all of a sudden they think he's against me or <laughs> he's got an agenda. And I think Ed, having seen us up close, will know – how to deal with these guys so there won't be I, I think it'll ease that up the other thing that's a huge advantage is that i think right from the get-go he knows what chip kelly's looking for you know we're not bringing in a stranger and having chip kelly having to go i want my corners to do this i want my safety to do this manowitz already knows that stuff so he'll hit the ground running and i think he and kelly will work together really well that's where again a concern i did have is if you bring in an outsider, somebody that's got his own set of ideas, he's going to have to mesh those ideas with Kelly, who's not exactly traditional in everything he does, and you never know how that was going to go. So you got to have a guy with a phenomenal background 
who's worked for all these great guys. And if you match him with Kelly, it may be like, uh, you know, oil and water. And instead now, I think we're going to have somebody who's going to be on the same page with Chip Kelly. And one of the positions, of course, that they're going to have to look at this offseason. Obviously, you talked about the secondary players at the Seahawks. They'll, they'll have to address the uh, secondary. But then you have the quarterback position where you have Nick Foles, who, of course, had the 27-2 and two in 2013. Wasn't anywhere near as good in 2014 before he got hurt in the Texans game. And, oh, there, you know, obviously the, the early part of the offseason here, there's been all kinds of speculation of whether the Eagles would go hard after Marcus Mariota, try to trade up in the, in the, in the draft to get him. Will Marcus Mariota slide to a position a little bit uh, later in the draft where the Eagles can move up and get him? And the Eagles were linked to, um, the like I said earlier, the Rams. I believe it was the Titans and the Texans in terms of, uh, you know, possibly making a move up to, to get Mariota. Um, does any of that make sense to you at all? Uh, in terms of moving up for Mario or or in terms of trading foals? Tra- trading foals. Well, you know, l- listen, I mean, I wrote about this the other day. As it stands right now, you have to think Nick Foles is your quarterback heading into 2015. Right. You know, I mean, are even if you draft Marcus Mariota, you know, the, this is where the it would be awkward with him because he's a rookie and the Eagles are built to win now. You know, they, they have a, some players in the prime of their careers. They have an offense that can score. Uh, with just about anybody in the league, they have the best special teams. If they can improve the defense, they have the, the ability to be a championship contender. Do you really want a rookie quarterback starting for that group? And I, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't want to bring your buddy into it, but yeah, exactly. So to me, you almost, you know, if you could trade Nick Foles and you knew you'd get Marcus Mariota, is. But uh, to me, I just don't see that the Eagles are going to trade Foles unless they have a shot at Mariota and Kelly fully believes that's the guy and he's willing to take whatever lumps he has to in 2015 to then become a, a championship-type team in 2016. But the only way you can do it is if is if you're sitting there on draft day and you know for a fact Mariota's on the board. You can't trade Foles ahead of time and hope you get up there and hope Mariota <laughs> right. slides. Right. If, if Mariota goes first overall to the, the, uh, the Buccaneers – well, then you better have Nick Foles, or you better have a good option, and and I just don't see a lot of options. You know, I certainly don't see anybody else in a draft that I think is going to be starting right away. And I don't know about you, but I mean, well, let me ask you this: I, I I go back and forth. This would you even want Mark Sanchez back as a backup? Yeah, um, I mean, he, he, I think he served his purpose last season. They won games that they should have won um, with. with you know, Mark Sanchez at the helm, and, and they won when they got... With, with the exception with, of Washington. Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 there's, there's, there's that one pesky game, but when, when the defense played well and when they had right. the run game running well and they didn't need him to, to you know, sort of put the team on the back and, and win it for them, they could win that. and those are the games that you kind of want to win with your quote-unquote backup. Uh, are there better backups out there? Yeah, I mean, are there backups that are worse than Mark Sanchez in the NFL? Certainly, yes, there are. So oh, yes. you, know, you can certainly do a lot worse than, than Mark Sanchez if they want to bring him back on a one-year deal again. It's not it's not something that I would absolutely hate. Uh, I do think there are, I mean, oh, I, I think you and I were talking about this at one point where, you know, Evan Silva of, of Roto World puts together his lists of, and he ranks, he ranks the, the free agent players by position. 
And, you know, we thought it was kind of funny that that Mark Sanchez is number one on his list at the quarterback position. And really, when you look at the guys that are below him, you know, you can actually really make an argument that Mark Sanchez is the best player among them. I mean, maybe you look at like a guy like Jake Locker as, as a reclamation project, although he's a guy that's been hurt throughout his entire career. And I, I don't remember some of the other names that, that were on there, but it is kind of gross. And, you know, there aren't going to be many quarterbacks that are ever available in free agency because it's the most important position in sports and people and teams just don't let quarterbacks get away. So, right. I mean, it, I think if you're going to if you're going to have a backup, you know, maybe or a backup that that's somebody other than than Mark Sanchez. It's going to be somebody that either signed in free agency. I don't know if it'll be Matt Barkley. Maybe it'll be a guy that you draft uh, to kind of compete with with Nick Foles, whether that be uh, high in the draft or somewhere in the you know early to middle rounds. But you know, certainly that they have to address that backup position because they do have an, uh, a guy leaving in free agency in, in Mark Sanchez, and they're only they're really they're, they're the only quarterbacks that, that they have on a contract right now are, are Foles, Barkley, and G.J. Kinney. So they're, they're going to have to do something there if they want to have three quarterbacks. Absolutely. And, and Sanchez, the way I tried to say it, I wrote about this the other day, I was like, good Sanchez was really good. And you look at there was three huge blowouts, the one over the Titans, one over the Panthers, one over Dallas. They won all those games by at least 20-some-odd points. And then the other game that he won as a starter was uh, uh, the close game against the Giants in the season finale which was 34 to 26. He if, you lost, want to, if you want to give him the uh, Texans game too, he played the majority of that game. I'll give him he, that one as well. He played. Yeah. Well, I was going on games. He started, but you're right. And I've mentioned this before. He, he played three quarters of that game. And when he came in, the Eagles were losing. So, uh, or it was a close game. I, I think they were behind, but uh, yeah. So it, essentially it's like he went five and four. So it, it would have had a, a, a blowout one there. Cause they won about 12, I don't know, 10 points, I guess is a blowout in today's world. Um, but you also had the you know the the losses were to, to Dallas, Green Bay, Seattle. Those are some of the best teams in the league. So you, know, you can make and and having him come back, I, and I certainly wouldn't be. I just I, I I go back and forth with him because some of the mistakes he made and the the throws he missed were so utterly frustrating. But at the same time, occasionally you do have to stop yourself and remind yourself this is the backup quarterback. I can't compare him to, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning. I have to compare this guy to Matt Flynn uh, or Ryan, Ryan Nassib or Brandon Cousins. Whedon. Right. That's because we got, you know, we got to compare apples to apples. And if you're a backup quarterback, that's what you got to be compared to. So sometimes I, I find myself being a little hard on a guy, but at the same time, you know, bottom line is you, you want as many good football players as you can. And can you do better than him? I think you could, but I, I can't say to rattle off who they should definitely should go for it. Of course, the, the uh, huge thing here is we don't know what Kelly thinks of him. You know, we know what Kelly said publicly, but that can be very different from what reality is. So uh, we'll find out soon enough. And uh, I, I don't know that any team saw Mark Sanchez this year and said, that's a guy we want to come in and start. Then again, the Houston Texans did have Ryan Fitzpatrick was their star this year. So, you know, maybe they'll say, let's bring in, uh, let's bring in a guy like Sanchez and let's give him a chance and see, let him compete with a rookie and the guy, get, you know, the, the winner gets the job. So it could be a lot worse for the Eagles. That's for, for darn sure. And when you talk about trading a guy like Foles to to a team like the Rams, the Rams are sitting at, at, at the 10th overall spot in the draft. The Eagles are, of course, at 20. And you mentioned, you know, can you really trade up to 10 and, and just hope that your guy falls to him there? I've actually seen it written from uh, uh St. Louis Rams writer where, you know, the Eagles could in theory trade up to 10 um, 
uh, and, you know, use Foles as, as part of a trade ship to get up from 20 to 10 and then trade up further from there. <laughs> which is a, is a scenario that makes absolutely zero sense to me because at that point, you know, you're not getting any kind of good offer. Teams kind of have you at, at, a, at a major disadvantage that you've already kind of committed to moving up as far as you can. You now no longer have your starting quarterback and now you have to keep moving up to try to get a guy a rookie, no less that you're going to have to, you're, that basically you're, you're, you're hitching your wagon to. So that's just the scenario that makes no sense to me whatsoever. I've seen that brought up among uh, some Eagles fans as well. And then, like you said, what if you're the Buccaneers? You just you just take them first overall. So I mean, there's just there's just no I way. That, yeah, I, I don't know why people are so uh, set on. There's like no way Mariota can go first overall, right? You know, I mean, you know, you talk to some people in Mobile, and there's it seemed to me that some of the people I talked to they thought it was a, a decent chance, if not a good chance, that Mariota goes first overall. Yeah, he's got some flaws, but are you gonna uh, hand your NFL? Uh, uh, future to Jameis Winston, the Buccaneers, yeah. are you going to stick with the guys you've got? You know, so th- there's a strong argument to go with Mariota and not, you know, not try to get cute with this thing. Take, take that guy and, 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 and see what he can do because he's a high character guy with athletic ability and physical skills. And the other thing you could, I mean, that you can say there too, is do you just take a player at, you know, at, at, at some other position that might be, a quote unquote better player than, than what Mariota is at, at his position. But really, and I come back to this seemingly all the time in the NFL, you either have a quarterback or you don't. And if you don't have a quarterback, you have no chance unless you have some kind of historic defense like 2000 Ravens or the 2003 Buccaneers or the, you know, going right on the line of the, of the great defenses that, that have won Super Bowls. And can you, if you're the Buccaneers or the tight end or, or, or the Titans, can you pass on any of those two guys? If there's, well, and I got to tell you, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure I see a player at the top of this draft that is so dominant that I say, yeah, let's pass on a quarterback to get that guy. I don't see Indomitian Sue. Right. There's somebody no, there's like no that. Jadavion Clowney, even though he hasn't done anything in this league yet. But right. I mean, the, that- there's there's no talent that overwhelms you. There's some real good players. But to me, if you're if you're talking about do I take a, a, a flyer on this guy or a flyer on a quarterback, I'm going with the quarterback because if he pans out. He can change the forces of your of your franchise for a decade. The position player, I mean JJ Watt, God love him, is probably the best player in the NFL right now. And during his time as an NFL player, has won what one playoff game? Yeah, uh, and that was beating Andy Dalton. So you know we got to <laughs> even put that in perspective. Well, I, so, hang on, hang on. They beat Pro Bowl quarterback Andy Dalton. I stand corrected. So I, I listen. I, I apologize to JJ Watt and Andy Dalton both. <laughs> so now the other thing too is I, really the only scenario where I can see that making sense for the Eagles anyway is from trading up to 20 to 10 is if the Rams are literally on the clock on draft day at 10 and, and Marcus Mariota is still on the board. But if you're Jeff Fisher at that point, don't you just take Mariota there? I Well, you know, I, I've been a believer for years that defensive coaches love athletic quarterbacks. You know, Buddy Ryan had uh, Randall Cunningham. Jeff Fisher was the defensive coordinator for the Eagles when Randall was here. And I, I'm a believer that they see that guy and they know how hard it is to try to game plan for his athletic ability. When you look at St. Louis, they have the makings of a good defense. They're still a, maybe a player or two away, but they've got a lot of potential. If you add a, an athletic playmaking quarterback, they got a, a you know a really talented kicker. If you have an offense that can just make a handful of big plays every game, have that defense have some special teams ability. 
you know, why can't they be the Cardinals of next year? Why can't they be the team that wins the division or or, or gets close to it and surprises people? So to me, it makes all the sense in the world to go with a guy like Mariota as opposed to taking Foles and hoping that Foles works out in an offense that he's never run before in the NFL. Yeah, and then not only that, I mean, you, you talk about having uh, Foles run an offense that, that he's never run in the NFL, but you also – you're now putting him behind – uh, an offensive line in St. Louis that just isn't very good. And when you look at the difference between what Foles was in 2013, and you even had this up on your site, which I thought was that you had a you had a video that you found up on your site on YouTube of just plays in which he did a great job moving around in the pocket and more specifically stepping up into the pocket and delivering accurate throws, moving laterally where he would escape out of the pocket and make throws on the run to the outside. And that is not the Nick Foles that we really saw at all in 2014 when they had a lot of issues along their offensive line in terms of you know, uh, guys getting hurt, Lane Johnson being suspended. There's really just a lot of makeshift offensive line stuff going on there in, th- throughout the, the the first half of the season when when Foles was the quarterback. And you saw a different quarterback, in my opinion, where when he when he got some pressure, you'd see him fade back and sort of throw off his back foot quite a bit, a la Kevin Cobb. And he just didn't look like the same quarterback for me. So if you're the Rams and you kind of see that and you, you know that your offensive line really isn't anywhere near what the Eagles offensive line is when it's when it's healthy and, and at its best. Is that really a guy that, that you want to put into your offense? Um, and, you know, knowing what you what, what you're going to see of, of of his tape there. And then not only that, if you're the Rams and you look at Nick Foles and his contract situation, he's on the last year of his deal in 2015. I mean, are you going to if you trade for him, if you're going to if you're going to tra- trade away a, a decent asset to, to acquire him, whether that be. Uh, you know, moving back from from ten to twenty, in in order to get Foles or and and change or 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 whatever whatever that is. I think that's even just moving back from ten to twenty is is giving up a a, a significant asset. Are you going to sign him to a, a long term deal? And if you're Nick Foles, you know you're not going to sign any kind of small modest contract extension. You're going to be looking for you know decent money based on you know what you did. And, and, you know, the promise that you show there or you're going to just wait until you're a free agent next year and see what you can do on the open market. So if you trade away a, a decent asset, you kind of have to know that that's going to be a player that you're going to control the rights to for a little while or, or, or and in best case scenario, Nick Foles go, goes out and, and has a good season and then he, he's going to be a free agent. So what do you do? You franchise tag him. Do you pay him like a top 10 quarterback? Even the best right. case scenario, it's not it's not the ideal situation for them. It really is, and I, I completely agree with you. I, to me, if you're the Rams and you have a chance to get Mariota at ten, I it's to, I don't even know. I I can't fathom that Jeff Fisher would say no. Let's deal this and let's get Foles in here. You know they've they've gone that road. They 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 made the mega trade to give up RG three to the Skins, and the Rams got a lot of picks out of that. But at a certain point, you got to go with your quarterback and. Twice a year he faces Russell Wilson. Twice a year he faces Colin Kaepernick. He knows how dangerous those guys are. To me, I, I just have to believe that he would love a guy, especially, again, a high-character guy, gifted athlete. I think he would love a guy like Marcus Mariota. I just can't see him passing on Mariota. That's why this talk of Mariota to the Eagles, it just doesn't make sense. I don't see him getting past 10. Okay, so let's move on from Foles and Mariota and all that stuff, and let's talk about um, uh, the Senior Bowl where we were last week, of course. There's there's other players in the draft? (laughs) There are going to be cornerbacks and safeties and linebackers and offensive linemen and and receivers and all those those guys too. So 
Um, were there any players? Well, obviously there were, but what? Let, let's let's go through some of the players that that you and I both thought uh, stood out as you know not only players that that had good weeks of of practice, but also you know might be a good fit for the Eagles in Philadelphia. So, there, were there any guys right off the bat that you think stand out as just sort of uh, you know that that just are glaring players that 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 could fit into the Eagles' offense or defense? Uh, Curtis Drummond is the first guy that comes to mind. The safety for Michigan State. Now he got hurt in practice, and we only saw him for two two days, I believe. Uh, you know, I thought he uh, you know he, he looked good, showed some good skills out there. Uh, some people will tell you he had a down senior year, wasn't as good. Some people will tell you he's not a great center fielder, but you know what? Let's talk about what the guy can do. The guy can hit. He can tackle. He's got man cover skills. You know, I think you know he's got good hands. He can great make hands. tough interceptions. Yeah, yep. and. Uh, I think I didn't get a chance to talk to him. I think you did, and I think didn't you say he was pretty impressive to talk to? Yeah, smart guy. And we know Chip Kelly and the Eagles love guys that are smart and who do well in the interviews. So to me, and, and, and the Eagles absolutely have to find safety help. The problem is they're not great choices in the NFL, so you almost have to look to college. You could you could talk about a guy like Raheem Moore, or a couple of guys in the NFL, but even then. There may be a huge bidding war for those guys, and I don't know if they're worth it. So, to me, a guy like Drummond is the first guy that comes to mind, and that's a guy that I thought I would love to see in Eagles Green. Yeah, he he was one that I had on my I, I had a list of five guys that that I thought uh, made sense for the Eagles in in uh, my Senior Bowl wrap up post. And yeah, he was one of them. And for all the reasons that you said, he had eight interceptions since 2013. Has the ability to you know to drop down into the box and cover slot receivers, man to man to stay in their beast defense against uh, when, when opposing offenses go to three wide receiver sets to sort of uh, be able to uh, stop the run a little bit more effectively. So he's a guy that, that can potentially do that. And I, yeah, I like him for all the same reasons that, that you do and, and think he would, what, what do you think? What do you think he sort of slots in? You think he's like a third round pick somewhere around there? I, I think that sounds good. And we'll see if the guy, you know, has a great combine, maybe he goes to the second round. Safety is a wild card position. You never know where safety is going to go. Uh, you know, you have somebody like Gerald Alexander, who was a, a one or two year safety at Boise State after having played other positions, and he ended up going just out of the first round, if I remember correctly, and uh, it shocked a lot of us. Uh, uh, there have been a handful of guys like that over the years that went way earlier than anticipated. There yeah. was the uh, the, the the guy um, Mike. Um, he was the guy that when uh, he was drafted, Mike Mayock's like. You know, literally didn't know right. who he was. We, we don't have any. We don't have any tape on him. I'm sorry, it was the second round. <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike Mike Mitchell from I think it was Ohio Ohio University, and you the found out the Raiders took him in the early second round, and Aries are ripping Raiders, and then the Bears said, "Hey, listen, if they hadn't taken him, we were going to take him." Right. Because the guy was a really good athlete with good size. So with safety, you never say never. So to me, Drummond is in play in rounds two through four, somewhere in that area. And again, I, I think the guy would be, you know, I, you never want to look at a rookie and say he's going to come in and start from day one. So let's let's hold on back there to compete with him. But he would be a guy that I think could be a starting safety for a long time. I think he's a real, real talented player. And the Eagles have got to get secondary help. And to me, he'd, he'd be a nice piece to add. Yeah, and, and I think part of the reason that safeties go a little higher than than other that, that, than you people expect them to is because 
bad safety play really in the NFL has become an epidemic. And you look at the Eagles safeties and nobody's all that impressed with with the Eagles safeties, nor have they been over the last half decade since Brian Dawkins left. Malcolm Jenkins was, of course, a, a, a good addition to, to the back end. Nate Allen just is not a safety that you want as a starter. You're always going to look to, an, uh, to upgrade a guy like that. But when you look at Jenkins and Allen and you compare those two guys to other teams around the league, you're like, wow, we really got some good safeties here. So, <laughs> I mean, like but right. there, there's so many teams around the league that have awful safeties that that position has really become uh, a, a very important one. Back in the back in the day, safeties went really late. I mean, it was a position that was just wasn't really all that important. But with the emphasis on the passing game in the last couple decades, the safety position really has become that much more important. Absolutely, it has. And and another defensive back that I think we both uh, would, would like for the Eagles is Quentin Rollins from Miami of Ohio. Yep. And uh, there's a guy who played basketball for four years and just decided to try football as a senior. And, and that guy's going to play in the NFL. There's no question about it. He's got the kind of size the Eagles like. He's got pretty good cover skills. He's a gifted athlete. You know, again, he's somebody who's going to go in the second, third round, something like that. Uh I, I see a talented player, and, and you and I both spoke to him for a uh, for a decent amount on uh, media night. And he was a very engaging young, young man, and had a pretty good personality, pretty good head on his shoulder. So I think he'll do well when he talks to Chip Kelly. And in fact, the Eagles did meet with him. They met with Drummond as well. So uh, he, he could definitely be a guy that I could see the Eagles taking. And he would be a player that you don't draft to help you in 2015. He would be a player to draft for the future. But he's got good NFL potential, I think. Yeah, and he had an interception in the game. That that did you watch the game, by the way? Of course. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he had a nice interception in the game. Like he'll get his head around and he'll locate the ball and he'll try to make a play on it. And that's not really anything that we saw from the Eagles this year, where there'd be a a, a ball in the air and and it'd be a deep throw, and Carrie Williams or Bradley Fletcher would be face guarding the receiver. They could call for pass interference way down the field, or just they wouldn't be locating the ball and the receiver making catch on them. And it's just really frustrating to watch that all the year. This is a guy that tries to locate the ball and make a play on it. So. It's it's some it's it, that would be an immediate improvement there. I don't know if he mentioned this or not, but he had seven interceptions his, his senior season, and right. just as a ball, he's a ball hawk, and and you know the the athleticism is is something that that just clearly. Go ahead. I just say one thing. I want to stress, and because when when you hear former basketball player, your first thought is uh, probably going to be a wuss, right? Nah, the guy yep. will hit and he will tackle. So. That don't worry about that. He is a physical player. This is not a finesse football player. He might have a basketball background, but he will get in there and mix it up. He's he's a fun player to watch. There's another player that that I think we both like, and I I kind of saw him as something different than than what you did. And that's Preston Smith, the whatever you want to call him out of Mississippi State. He played some defensive end. He played some outside linebacker. He played a little bit of nose tackle and obvious uh, passing downs for for Mississippi State. And I guess I kind of had him slated as a as a defensive end heading into the Senior Bowl. He was a guy that I fight as as a player that could be of interest to the Eagles in the draft along their defensive line. Obviously, the Eagles' defensive line is sort of stacked with with not only good talent uh, but young talent and, and guys like Fletcher Cox and Benny Logan and uh, and Cedric Thornton, all of whom are under 26 years old. And then you have, of course, Vinnie Curry coming off the bench and Bo Allen, and they drafted Taylor Harden and get in any games or anything like that. And then you have the old head and Brandon Bear. Uh, who you know is is sort of a replaceable kind of guy, but uh, Preston Smith, if if 
if he became available to the Eagles, he'd be a guy that, that can play a, a multitude of roles, either as, like I said, a defensive end, outside linebacker, or nose tackle. I kind of had it slated as a defensive end, but you see him more as a potential uh, option at the, at the predator position. Well, I, I do, because I think if you're going to put him as a defensive end, you'd want him to probably bulk up to, I think he measured in at 6'6", 262. He's 6'5", 270. That's what he weighed. Okay. Um, that's what he weighed in you know, at the uh, at the uh, okay. at, at, at the at the senior bowl itself. Okay, okay, six five two seventy. Yeah, so you know if you were going to play with defensive end, you'd probably want to bulk up to two eighty two eighty five. I know Vinny Curry is right around two seventy, but he's uh, six two six two and a half. And he only so, plays in sub packages, right? So if you were if you're going to have a guy who's six five, that he's going to have a taller frame. You want him to have more weight, so you don't want him to bulk up to like two eighty five. And I looked at this guy, and I love his versatility. And and it, to me, I, I saw a guy who would be a natural at the predator position, which is what Trent Cole played. And uh, because we know Chip Kelly likes long guys, I don't think you'd want this guy playing over the tight end necessarily. It's possible he could do it because he did drop back some at Mississippi State, but I love his versatility. I love the fact he did some of that at, at, at uh, Mississippi State and – He's willing to be physical and play with discipline. He's willing to, to rush up the field. He's got moves, athletic ability, length. He's a really interesting player. And I don't know if the Eagles – I don't know what they'll see in him. He's one of those guys that I could see the defense you – know, I could see Jerry Asinero saying, I want that guy for the line. And I could see, also see Bill McGovern saying, no, I want that guy for the linebackers. He's one of those types that I think you could have two guys on the same team seeing this as a different prospect. So I'm curious to see what they think about him. But, yeah, he's a lot of fun to watch, really talented. If you get a chance, watch him against LSU, and he will blow you away. Really, really fun game to watch. Yeah, I remember there was uh, at one point during one of the practices we were sitting in the bleachers, and um, I don't remember if you were here for this or not, uh, but but Shil Kapati was, was sort of joking around. He said, how many players – uh, what, or what what percentage of players do you think get the, uh, the quote-unquote versatile moniker – and I'm guilty of this too. I, I kind of, I kind of do give uh, players the versatile, the quote unquote versatile moniker, uh, uh, maybe, maybe a little too uh, uh, liberally. But this is a guy for sure that that actually is definitely a versatile type player. So he's not like uh, uh, you know maybe some other players that they they've played another position at some point in in their college career or in high school. Or right. This is a guy who can legitimately line up in a number of different places and play them effectively. Absolutely, and yeah, he, he's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, talk about an offensive player that kind of caught my eye and I knew he was good coming in, but until I saw him live and, and right in front of me, I was standing next to a, an NFL general manager watching Philip Dorsett, the wide receiver from uh, uh, yep. Dorsett, the wide receiver from the university of Miami. And when you watch that guy take off from the line of scrimmage and when he's not pressed, his explosion, <laughs> I mean, is something to behold in person. Uh, he doesn't have great size. I think he's like uh, 5'10", 183. But that is a guy, if you want somebody to stretch the field and you want somebody that can, you know, I think he averaged, I don't know, 25 yards a catch, 24 yards a catch this year. Mm. can make plays down the field. You could use him on reverses. He's got some return experience. And I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, but the Eagles got rid of Deshaun Jackson. They don't want big guys. We have to remember that Chip Kelly's favorite wide receiver personally was Odell Beckham last year. The Eagles also had significant interest in Brandon Cooks last year. Yeah. You know, neither one of those guys is a big guy. Now they are a little bit bigger than 5'10, 183, mind you, 
But the point is, I think, you know, Chip Kelly doesn't need everybody to be Riley Cooper size if they have certain skill set and that kind of thing. So uh, I think I think Dorsett would be a guy that the uh, the Eagles would uh, take a look at. Now, whether they would actually pull the trigger on him, you know, with a decently high pick, I don't think he's going to be there late in the draft. So whether they want to spend another high investment in wide receiver, I don't know. But I, I got to tell you, he was a lot of fun to watch. And if you're an offensive coach, you have to at least be intrigued by adding a guy with that kind of uh, a, a vertical speed. Yeah, and another guy that you can kind of throw in as, as a similar type of player, uh, a little bit bigger than than Dorsett, would be uh, Devin Smith, the wide receiver from from Ohio State, who, like Dorsett, had just a, just a ridiculous yards per catch for Ohio State this year. Didn't have that many catches, but when he did when he did make plays, he made big ones. So those two guys kind of fit that that same mold. And and Smith, I think he averaged twenty eight yards a catch. Uh, Ohio State just didn't throw a ton of passes, but when they did. They threw the ball, and his ability to, as a down-the-field receiver is nothing short of amazing. When you're running a route and you can look up into the lights or into the sun, locate the football, slow your body down or adjust your body, speed up, twist, turn, whatever, adjust your body to where it needs to be, get your arms or hands to the right position and catch that football, shows an amazing level of concentration, awareness, and eye-hand coordination as well as body control, and that guy is uncanny with his ability to catch the football downfield. Eagles fans may remember how good Fred Barnett was at that back in the day. Well, this guy, you know, we haven't seen him do it at the NFL level, but in college he was a freak when it came to catching footballs downfield because he he might have a guy on him. Heck, we saw in a championship game, I want to say there was like two players on him, and he still managed, you know, the ball came right to him and he made the catch. And the ability to focus, not be distracted by a defensive back or anything else, really, really amazing. But, yeah, he's definitely somebody the Eagles – his combination of size, speed, and, and vertical uh, uh, receiving skills, definitely something Chip Kelly would be interested in. And they talked to him both uh, the, during the week. So, you know, they, they do have some level of interest at least. Now, another guy that I think makes sense for the Eagles, and um, you, you look at the Eagles' offensive line, and particularly along the interior of their offensive line, with Evan Mathis getting up there in age and Todd Harriman's getting up there in age, uh, they're going to have to bring in some youth to, to fill in behind those guys, whether they replace them you know, sooner than later. Be, they just don't have a lot of depth or youth along their offensive line. That would be Ali Marpet. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. The offensive guard sure, yeah, that's from, it. from, from uh, D3 Hobart, <laughs> where uh, you know the Eagles, in, in, since Chip Kelly became the coach, have you know drafted play, uh, every single player that they've drafted has gone to a big school. So I don't know if they would necessarily – um, you know, wade into the Hobart waters, but he's a guy that not only came in and hung with the big time players from big time schools, but you know, stood out. I thought he, I thought he played great all week, and and he attributed his um, his his being able to sort of hang with those guys and 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 really uh, you know play well and, and sort of help his draft stock to uh, his his technique, which uh, he made the point that when you come from a D three school. A lot of coaches may think that there may have the perception that you that you that you won't have the technique that some of the other guys would having, you know, quote unquote, you know, better coaches um, that 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 are going to be coaching at that level. But he said that his, you know, his, his head coach was also the old line coach at, at at Hobart and and really taught him well. And and he was really prepared for, to play at the senior bowl week. And he could be a guy that, again, if the Eagles can kind of get past their 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 big school thing that, that, that they've been doing since Chip Kelly took over. He's a guy that they could possibly fit, fit in with the Eagles as well. And absolutely, he's a guy that I would love for the Eagles to show some interest in. Uh, 
you know, and here's the thing. He might remind, you know, Chip Kelly has not drafted somebody from a small school, but all he has to do is look at his offensive line and see Todd Harriman's, who's from a D2 school, and then you've got uh, Alan Barbary, who's from a small school. And those are both guys that, you know, you could see both, you know, like Todd Harriman's played uh, left tackle, I want to say, in, in college. And, uh, and Barbary, Saginaw, I believe, Valley State. I don't know. Right? Where, I don't know where Barbary went. I think it was um, uh, Missouri Southern or Missouri State. Okay. And uh, so Barbary was a small school guy. I think he's one double A or FCS, you know, versus Todd being Division two. But uh, the point is, both those guys were like left tackles in college. That you know, obviously Todd has played some tackle in the NFL. Barbary has played mostly guard, and they were able to move well. Mar- uh, uh, Marpet, when you and I spoke to him, you know, first of all, a really sharp guy, and he showed right. great awareness because right. we said, "Do you want to play guard or tackle?" And he knew. I've got to move inside. And so I, you, you love a player who's got that kind of awareness. So many players, like you and I were talking to the kid from Michigan State who's a talented wide receiver prospect. And we were like, he, he's also played corner. We're like, why don't you go play corner since every team has 5,000 wide receivers? Right, Lippet or, or Lepet or whatever, however you pronounce it. Yeah, Tony Lepet. Nobody yeah. has nobody has corners. And he's like, ah, my heart's set on wide receiver. Here's a guy, you talk to Ali Barp, and he goes, I've got to play guard. I've got to go or center. I've got to go inside. I don't have the length for, for playing outside. You know, he's got this great awareness that this is not fantasy land. This is not a little game. He's talking about professional football and he's got his head screwed on. Right. I think he'll blow the Eagles away in interviews. So that would help. And absolutely. That's the guy who's got the versatility to play guard center or guard. Now, Hey, listen, we know Jason Kelsey signed up a long-term deal, but Hey guys get hurt. Let's get somebody who can play center if they did or play either guard spot. And as he said, as Marpa told you and I, if they need me in a pinch to move out to right tackle because of injuries, I could slide out there. And we saw this year, I mean, it was freaking musical chairs on the offensive line. Right. You need you need somebody who's got that kind of experience who can do different things. So uh, to me, I was really impressed by him. The guy was a legitimately good player who shut down guys that are going to be NFL talent, uh, NFL stars. He shut them down. He had a very good week. So I'd love to see the Eagles take a chance on somebody like that. All right, we're short on time here, so um, yeah, Tommy has uh, you know a number of prospects that, that he's that he's pointed out both at scoutsnotebook.com and he'll I'm sure have more as the, as we get a little further along in, in draft season at his own site at eaglesblitz.com. Before we go though, um, Super Bowl picks just really quickly, who do you got? I want to say one thing real quick. I know okay. we're trying to wrap up, but I do think we have to just mention the quarterback position real quick. Because you and I both went to Mobile hoping to fall in love with the quarterback, whether nope. it was going to be whether it was <laughs> whether it was going to be Bryce Petty or Blake Sims, and it didn't happen. And I got to tell you, Brian Bennett, who was there, you didn't get to see his his final practice on Thursday. You had to leave to get to the airport. Yeah, his his final practice on Thursday. I still haven't posted my notes yet. It was not a good showing. Uh the first he day did, was good. He looked really good the first day. The second yeah. day was ugly, brother. It was okay. ugly. So. <laughs> The, the Eagles can draft with these guys, but it's going to be develop and hope. So, yeah, the the quarterback situation very disappointing in Mobile. All right, Super Bowl. Who you got? I'm going Patriots, and you know I wish I had a a good reason to break this down off you, but to me, the whole Deflate Gate has got them in a foul mood. And when Belichick can convince his players the world's against him, they come out, they play above their heads, and they play with an attitude and. I just think that that's going to be the one thing that that unifies them, and they're really good at that stuff. He's good when they can he can manipulate his players that the world's against them, and they need to go prove something. So, 
I, I know I wish I could offer a more technical stamp, uh, you know, explanation, but that's where I'm thinking. I, I had heard that a few Eagles assistant coaches um, had had uh, kind of agreed that pregame before the Seahawks game, they all kind of uh, agreed that the Seahawks were the most confident team that they have ever seen uh, on take a football field in the NFL. So that was something that 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 you know kind of impressed me about that Seahawks team. I thought the Seahawks were going to win, but just a couple hours ago, I uh, I. I asked my daughter who was going to win the game. She has never gotten a pick wrong, whether it be the Super Bowl or actually she's only done it twice. She picked the uh, NFC East champions, champions in 2013. She picked the Eagles, and then she picked the Super Bowl winner last year when she picked the Seahawks. She picked the Patriots, so while my head says the Seahawks, my head is not uh, not all that reliable ever. So I'm going to flip-flop and go with the Patriots because my daughter picked them, and she hasn't been wrong yet. I don't think she'll be wrong again. Sweet. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wrap it up here for Tommy Lawler of Eagles Blitz. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. This has been another phenomenal episode of Eagles Pod. You've been listening to the Eagles Pod right here on libertybroadcast.com.